Pop Punk and Pizza Podcast is presented by Pop Punk Takeout, which is a monthly subscription service that delivers merchandise from pop punk artists from all over the world directly to your door in a takeout box. You can choose two different versions. There's actually a pizza box uh, takeout box. I said box a lot there, but they'll send that directly to your door. It's filled with awesome merchandise from artists from all over the world, or you can choose from the Chinese food takeout uh, version as well. Uh, that one's a little less costly, so if you're on a tight budget, they've got you covered. So you can sign up today at poppunktakeout.com and make sure to follow them for updates on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Pop Punk Takeout. I'm going out, I gotta go, I'll bang a ring on the radio, so turn it up, I'm telling you, I think I'm ready for something new. Hey, hello, it's nice to meet ya, hey, come in and have a slice of pizza. Hey, hello, it's nice to meet ya, hey, come in and have a slice of pizza. You're listening to Pop Punk and Pizza with Jacques Lamour. Hello and welcome to Pop Punk and Pizza Podcast. I am, of course, Jacques Lamour, your host. It is so great to have you here, especially for this episode, which I am deeming a bonus episode because it's not part of our weekly live streamed schedule. Uh, if you're not familiar, we usually live stream each uh, episode of Pop Punk and Pizza every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Central Time on our YouTube, our Facebook, and our Twitch accounts. But this one is completely off the air. Bonus episode, a very special one. We are going to be joined by Russ Rankin, who you best known for good riddance, but also on his own watch, he uh, releases solo music as well. And he's just about to release his uh, sophomore solo album, uh, which is called Come Together, Fall Apart. It's going to be released uh, technically next year, uh, January 22nd, uh, 2022. Uh, But actually, the uh, first single, Babble, is out now that you can listen to. Um, That's through SBAM Records, Cursed Blessing Records in Canada. I should say SBAM Records is for uh, Europe and then Say 10 Records uh, for us here in the U.S. But also joining us is not just Russ. We actually have Bill Stevenson, uh, who you're best known for, Descendants, and also The Blasting Room. And then Andrew Berlin, also from The Blasting Room, who helped make this this second solo record possible for Russ. So let's welcome uh, Russ, Bill, and Andrew on to the podcast. Hey, guys. <laughs> it is so it is so cool to have all of you here. I was super excited uh, when Melanie hit me up about doing this. She's like, yeah, I think it'd be cool to have everyone on, you know, to talk about Russ's new record. And I was like, hell yeah, I am so down for this. So welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks for having Howdy, us. Thanks for having us. Of course, I should probably, we should probably go around uh, just so everyone has an idea of what you sound like. Um, so Russ, I'll have you go first. Go first doing what? Just hello. Oh, I'm sorry. Hey. Just to say hello. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> sorry. Hey, everybody. Wait, I have a question. I'm Bill and I'm talking now. Is this a, a visual thing? Can they see me picking my nose or is it audio? They they can see you picking your nose. So if okay, you're going to well, pick your nose. Bill, and this is me. This is me picking my nose. Okay. <laughs> Andrew here. Hey. Uh, with uh, So now that uh, everyone knows sort of what everyone sounds like, um, and, and we, we can see, uh, you know, Bill picking his nose. I just hope if you're going to pick your nose uh, during this podcast that you at least find something good, you know. <laughs> Quality pick a winner. Yeah, pick a winner, man. You know, you're you're digging for gold, as uh, one of my ex-girlfriends used to say um, when she would see me, you know, picking my nose. Um, and <laughs> anyway, um, so, Russ, this is your second record. Uh, your, your debut solo album was almost uh, 10 years ago already. Uh, Farewell to uh, Catalonia. And... Um, it's such a I got a chance to listen to the the new record early 
And then going back and listening to the Farewell album, there's such a, um, I feel like there's such a big difference. You know, uh, Farewell is so, it's more stripped down to whereas uh, Come Together, Fall Apart has more uh, uh, instrumentation to it and such. So a couple a couple things about that. So with the first album I did with my friend Paul Miner, uh, he helped engineer and produce it. And neither one of us had done anything like that before. So it was a lot of unknown and kind of just throwing stuff at the wall or trying things out. And we sort of had a little bit of um, inspiration from some of the other stuff I've been listening to. But ultimately, we really didn't have a game plan. I didn't want to make it be too too much instrumentation so that when I played live, it wouldn't be a completely different deal. But I also didn't want just, just like do it in a guitar only. And so we, we kind of stumbled into a little pattern of like some uh, little electric guitar, some piano stuff here and there and some hand percussion. And we basically just used that blueprint the whole time, which, which it ended up turning out, you know, way better than I could have expected. And then that being said, like in the, in the years since, um, of just playing shows and, and being exposed to more music and then also kind of knowing what, what like Bill and Andrew could and would bring to the table, I, I felt we'd probably end up having something a little bit different aesthetically. So when it came time to, uh, do this second record, um, when did you all like, have like your first meeting about this or how did the second album start uh, coming into play for you, Russ? I imagine it's one of those things where it's many years in the making because you're obviously, you know, you're doing good riddance and then uh, anything else that you have going on in your life. So it's like, you're not going to, it's hard to dedicate like a ton of time just to, okay, I'm going to write a solo record now, or maybe that's what you did in this case. I don't know. That's kind of what I did. I was, it was during the pandemic and there wasn't a lot going on with my band. And I had begun to sort of write some new, try to write some demos, some new good written stuff. And Stefan from spam records was, was hitting me up. Like he really was a fan of farewell Catalonia. He's a fan of my voice and my songwriting and was really excited to, to try to do a, a solo album. And I was like, yeah, cool. But I'm not really thinking about that right now. And he just kept, <laughs> he just kept, he was really persistent and, and so I said, okay. And then I said, well, I want to do it at the blasting room, you know, thinking that with like the, the high ticket, he would, he would like kind of like bow out and he's like, no, that sounds great. Like, let's do it. And so then I was like, then I was like, I guess I better write some songs. <laughs> so, so did you, did you, how does it go? That is it like that, Andrew? Or no, the other way? That's post like uh, 2000. Cause at first it was two right hands. I think. Well, how, what is it? Is and it, then eventually wait, is, is, it that? is it that? There you go. Shit. Is the, that? The... There we go. That looks right. Um, so did Are you, you supposed to cuss on this or not? Oh, you can cuss all you want. Good. Yeah. <laughs> so did you, did you literally say the blasting room just so you can get out of it and just get him off your back and, and think, oh, he's not going to be interested in that. I, well, I, I wasn't really, I didn't, wasn't really thinking about writing a solo album. So I was, but I, I was appreciative of his enthusiasm. I, I also really wanted to record a solo album there, like with Bill and Andrew and, and I, especially because just the, the, the collective knowledge and how I felt like they could, they could help the sound and the songs come to like a better, come to a better end than me just on my own trying to, trying to like suss it out. So, I mean, I ultimately I would have, I would have had the choice. I would have wanted to do it there anyway. Mm-hmm. We have a, a, we have a very long history with Russ. It's, it's almost unbelievable. The history it goes back, um, you know, Good Riddance was, you know, one of the very early Blasting Room bands. We've done, I don't, I have, I don't, countless, we've done countless Good Riddance albums. And of course, Russ and I have our band Only Crime. And uh, then we, then now we did this, this solo album. And yeah, when, when Russ came in with the songs, we were able to kind of put the, 
put the whole shoulder of the studio behind us. So there's five of us there. And uh, Andrew's kind of the main engineer. Uh, I, I did my little, my share of the engineering, but Andrew did uh, my, the main share. And then we also had Jonathan and Chris uh, helped out with some uh, ancillary instrumentation and stuff. And it just, and then uh, Jason mixed it. So it's like, we kind of have a, we kind of just have an onslaught of, of human power there. And, and it's also a bunch of people that trust each other and that trust Russ with his songs and with his very, very important lyrics. And, and Russ trusts us with, you know, being able to handle things. And so it's just a really, it's just a great, a great time together. We always have such a good time together and, Everybody enjoys, everybody knows everybody. We're all best friends. Everybody enjoys each other's company. And it's just, you know, this is like, this is like, what are we talking? 20, 24 year long relationship. Do you remember the, the first time you and Russ met Bill? Do you remember that, that first time? Or maybe Russ remember. Russ, maybe. <laughs> oh, I remember. I was staying at Sean's house, and you guys were coming over to practice, and it was pre-production for Operation Phoenix. I would have met you that morning, right? Yeah, like, well, there's there's a time where we played a New Year's Eve show in San Diego, and the Descendants played, and Bill had Bill was come was was outside and kind of like wandered over to us and was commenting about our van. And asking us questions about it, but I don't. I don't know that he would recollect that specific. No, but that no. That wasn't Russ, like that wasn't that like. That so, wasn't like no, no, my no. Name you're, is on so you're on crack. You're on crack. That <laughs> New Year's show was in the middle of pre-production. Like you guys, you guys, we were doing pre-production in Santa Cruz, and then we all drove down, and you guys played that New Year's show that at no, the, this that is, this big was, arena. This was this was the New Year's show that you guys played. Oh, we, we, had, oh, we didn't, we didn't, we didn't yeah, we didn't formally know, <laughs> but like, no, like officially like meeting Bill. We, yeah, he's right. Like he, we were doing our, our, it was our first album with the blasting room after many albums with a different studio. And, and he had shown such an interest that he came to our town and sat in on our practices and like really rolled up his sleeves and got involved with the, the whole process. And I, I, I was really, uh, we were all starstruck, but I was also really, really impressed with that level of interest in what we were doing and that level of like a wanting to know how it all works. And uh, it really made an impression on all of us, a really positive one. So what were some of the things? Well, now here we are, here we are 25 <laughs> years later and I'm, I'm, uh, I don't do doing as much crack? Of heavy lifting anymore. Uh, Andrew and Jonathan and Chris and Jason, you know they do a lot more of the heavy lifting uh, th- these days. I, I'm I'm uh, I'm about the just this far shy of uh, being a figurehead. <laughs> You're the uh, the investor or the, uh, the silent partner. The silent partner, yeah, yeah if you will. <laughs> silent but deadly essay. <laughs> <laughs> so Andrew, um, when did you first meet Russ, or when did you start? At the blasting room, probably uh, making coffee for the guys when Russ did their first album there. I don't know exactly. <clears throat> uh, I think I've been here since about two thousand. It's been about twenty years. And so those early memory. What do you remember from those early days of getting coffee? <laughs> for, uh, you know, while good riddance. I still riddance remember was... the smell of walking in the building and the posters on the wall. I mean, maybe a lot like the uh, the when people get their first impression walking in, it still feels very visceral to me. And then uh, just you know, loud guitars echoing down the hallway, drums echoing down the hallway. Um, I was just happy to be a part of all the records. Um, you know, I wanted to do the best job making coffee I could back then. <laughs> and and how did you make that coffee so special? <laughs> well, I don't know if there was anything special about the coffee. It's just, it's, uh, it's one of the traits you need here. I mean, there's three pots getting made. Uh, well, per day I'll tell you, on, on the second Good Riddance album, Russ bought us a special coffee pot 
which is the, still the model that we use today with the with the carafe that doesn't have any heat below it, you know? Okay. Russ was the one that ushered us into that, and he also ushered us into the very, very bold, dark, greasy beans, the dark Italian and the dark French. So now that now that we're actually talking about this, Andrew, Russ yeah. had a huge, a huge influence on on the Blasting Room's coffee situation. Yeah. <laughs> and still he's... So, I don't know if you know this, but when he comes now... When he comes now, he descales our coffee pots. He did it the other day when he was there. No, he didn't. He gets that descaler stuff and runs it through. How, how do you? So, what does descaling a coffee pot consist of? I've never heard of that. So, it, it like over over the overuse, a coffee system will build up like build up like scale and like just crud inside. That makes it makes there be less coffee from the same amount of water as there used to be, and the coffee also tastes more railer. And so, when you when you do that, you have more coffee and it tastes better. So, is it just like a matter of running through like a certain type of like chemical? Yeah. Or... Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, hmm. what happened to my thing? Oh, I don't know. I can see you. <laughs> Still here for me. There we go. Oh. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So I, I do that in uh yeah, I mean, that's just, that's just because I feel like they, no one probably else ever does it there. And Jonathan those guys, does it. Those, Jonathan might. those guys drink a lot of fucking coffee. See, Russ, now we have an, we have an OCD guy. Now we have Jonathan. But pre Jonathan, like it would, it would be like, there'd be, yeah, like, there'd be maggots in there. Yeah. You put 24, 24 cups of water in and get like a drop of coffee out. <laughs> and it's my like home coffee pot now and it's like <laughs> these guys expect me to do vocals today fuck no like no yeah. i tr- i try to i try to earn my keep i washed dishes and like vacuumed in there because i was staying in the studio like i slept in the in the lounge area so i was trying to earn my keep you know i wasn't trying to be a slacker yeah yeah you see you and i would probably enjoy having coffee together because that's the kind of coffee i love too is the you know the italian or the the french the the darker roasted coffee like that's that's what i'm all about that's that's right up my alley i also like to get uh, coffee drinks from starbucks that cost way too much money and bill <laughs> bill's been giving me a hard time for like two decades about it poser <laughs> yeah, it's but I, yeah it's so easy to do. So easy to do. Um, <laughs> you should see how much money I spent on Uber Eats. Andrew knows Uber Eats. Uber Eats would bring Starbucks every morning to the studio, like oh, every man. day. And it was like I looked at the the, the total price, and I was <laughs> so so ashamed. But what can you do? Until you descale the, the coffee pot. No, that, I would drink that too. Like that oh, would, would be you? first. Okay. Yeah, like a blasting room coffee first, and then. When Andrew comes and it's time to do guitars, then it's like Uber Eats guy comes and brings more coffee with like soy milk and stuff in it. There you go. I'm guilty. You know, I'm guilty of the same thing. I usually make coffee at home in the morning. And then when it's, you know, mid afternoon or whatever, I usually I'm I'm buying coffee from somewhere. And it's like a habit that I can't get out of. It's a terrible habit, you know, of, of spending that that coffee so. if that's the worst thing you're doing with your life you're probably doing okay <laughs> well coffee's better than food we've got a, a now a food truck we have a brewery next door to the studio now and there's a different food truck there every single day oh, i'm wow. already bad at packing my lunch so dude <laughs> not good what what are they uh what, what kind of food does the food truck have <sighs> everything there's um, so many in fort collins we've got uh uh there's sandwich places mexican places there's Oh, it's all, pizza places. Oh man, food trucks are great. Yeah, now I'm hungry. Speaking of of food and or just that makes me think of smells. Andrew, you mentioned like this smell of the blasting room, and what is that smell that you're talking about? Because because when you said <laughs> that, I'm like, okay, it's like I'm blessed with a poor sense of smell, so that's that's maybe part of why I've enjoyed it. So it smells, are you saying it smells bad? Well, I don't think so, but I do have a poor sense of smell. Okay. So you think it, it smells. It was just the experience of it all combined. Uh-huh. But you can't, 
you can't like describe that smell for us that have not stepped foot in the blasting room. Like, what is that smell? I gotta know. Bill's Bill's like shaking his head. <laughs> I just gotta know. You have me very curious now. <laughs> I shouldn't have said the word smell. <laughs> All right. All right. I'll let, I'll let you off the hook on that one. Um, so, so, so Russ, when it came time, you know, you, uh, you said to Stefan from, you know, SBAM, okay, I'll do, I'll do a solo album with you. I want to do it with the blasting room. Then, then what, what happened next? Uh, then I had to like pick up my guitar and write some songs. So that's that's what I did. Like I I went right to work and and then as I demoed, I sent I put stuff in a Dropbox folder that like Bill Bill had access to and Stefan also, so we could sort of hear roughly what was going on. And and then I was just sort of hitting Bill up to try to like as the songs filled up in the in the demo folder. Um, I, you know, with, I respect Bill's time and he's like, he's a really probably the busiest person I know. And I was just hoping that he would have a chance to, uh, like listen to the demo and, and, and have good notes and have like, if, like each song individually, but also collectively as a, as like a thought he would, he would, I, I trusted him to help me kind of like coalesce and be figuring out like what, what song, what some songs needed, what would be the best approach, things like that. Uh, so that was really that was really it. Just like kept writing songs and just adding them, adding demos to the folder. And I always want to have like too many so that we can like pick and choose and be, be really like decisive. Uh, so yeah, it was just, a just writing, writing a lot of songs. What was to your memory? What was the first one that came up? Was it Babel? No, it was, I mean, I, I wrote some that didn't make it, and that was probably those were probably the first ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, I couldn't tell you I, of, of what made it made the cut. I couldn't tell you what the first one was. What was what was your recollection of first hearing those those demos, Bill? And I'm Andrew. Did you get a chance to hear them as well? Or I did. Yeah, I I loved them. I, I it got me very excited to make the record. Uh, what in particular sticks out in your mind when you like first, and even if it wasn't one that made the cut, what what's your recollection of of that that first demo you got to hear from Russ? Me, uh, I think abolish. Uh, well, am, am I saying song titles? Is that okay? Sure. Yeah, yeah. Abolish the Senate. I remember next best thing, and I think fractured legacy were the first three I heard, and and I thought they had they were. Like uh, the diversity in those three was was really awesome, and uh, there was like a rawness that I didn't want to get in the way of, you know, when we were we we're adding things. But um, uh, I just uh, remembered listening to it uh, while I was driving, and uh, got me really stoked to be a part of it. How about you, Bill? Yeah, I was definitely more drawn to the um, the less. Uh, less uh kind of overtly political stuff maybe drawn to the more the more personal stuff like uh, our, our last conversation or uh uh considering the end uh uh just a lot of those a lot of those more uh the more the more kind of dark ones let's see uh I'm thinking about, uh, uh, like, yeah, even, yeah, even, uh, Siobhan or Fractured Legacy, like the ones that are, that are about something that either is, I, I don't know. Yeah. Like maybe not, not as obvious of a, not as obvious of a, political observation or personal observation as say abolish the Senate. Yeah. I tend, I tend to, I tend to, um, I I know I tend to, I'm drawn into like personal stories. Somebody died. Somebody's gonna die. Somebody 
you know, broke up with someone and they're devastated. Somebody's having a tough go. (coughs) Somebody's trying to stay sober. You know, these kinds of things. That's the stuff that seems to attract me. And even if that's, even if I'm uh, delusional by thinking that they're all, you know, true, real stories that are out there in the world, you you never know. Because some people have the ability to just write songs. You know, they're poets. But, you know, I I like to think these are, they're like really, this is like, this is like a life or death matter for the person that wrote it. Like they, they were going to shoot themselves if they didn't write it, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And for you, Russ, does it, does it come from just things you're making up or does it come from personal places or maybe it's a friend's story or a family member's story? Where do you usually draw these, um, these inspirations? Right. <laughs> For the types of songs that Bill's talking about that I happen to write, it's generally something either like directly that I've gone through that I, that I may like, like write vis-a-vis like it's it's happening to somebody else just to like be a step removed or, or it's somebody that I know. It's usually somebody that I know or have known in the past. Uh, And then in the case of Siobhan, it's like, it's, it's like a different name, like, or or it's a, or it's a person who is basically an amalgam of several different experiences that were, that were generally similar, but like kind of with like that drew the same emotions this or the same kind of like uh, outcome. Uh, but yeah, like most of this, most of the stuff, the songs that Bill mentioned are either like directly personal to me or are like about people that I know or have known. And with that being said, what was the hardest one to write for you? Did any of these, and I'm sure all of them do, because they they strike such, every single song on this record, it strikes such a chord uh, inside of you, whether it's something emotional or when it comes to like abolish the Senate, you just feel that, that, um, that rebellion, um, or, you know, obviously like songs like Last Conversation, that's obviously the more emotional end. But when it came down to, to start writing these, what was what was the, the hardest one? So do you mean hardest like like it tapped my abilities as a songwriter? Yeah, I, I guess. Well, I guess that, that could go two ways. I, I guess it could be. As hard as a songwriter, or maybe hardest emotionally. Either one. Last conversation was tough, uh, just because of the the subject, and and it was also like the toughest to actually sing. Like when it came time to do vocals, it was it was tougher than I thought it would be. Like I thought I was cool with it, and then. Uh, but I, but like writing it, I wanted to make sure that I didn't like turn it into like, you know, like bit some big epic because like everybody goes through this. But, but I also wanted to make sure that I did did the event justice and and didn't skimp on anything. Like I wanted it to be to be simple and to still be to still have some hooks and sound good. But I wanted to make sure that the 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 purity of the emotion of that of those things were not lost somewhere by trying to make some grandiose grandiose spectacle you mean like a uh like a grandiose kind of sappy ballad kind of thing is that what you yeah or i just want to i wanted to make sure that it stayed relatively spartan but still like pleasing to the ear i guess i think you nailed it honestly because that's kind of what i that's kind of what i was thinking i was thinking in my mind if if Russ Rankin was actually going to write a ballad, he wouldn't. It would sound like this, <laughs> you know, like, and uh, I I think you captured that. I mean, it would sound like a ballad, but it would be, be about something really fucked happening. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> um, and getting to, you know, abolish the Senate, since we have brought that up, I mean... I am really curious to hear that there's there's so many uh, that's one of the 
uh, politically fueled songs on this record. And I guess I'm just wondering what would the the country, what would the United States look like if it was in Russ's hands? You know, because obviously you're talking about abolishing the Senate. And I guess I'm just wondering where, where that comes from in your mind, you know, what, well, um, we don't, we don't have enough time and and there's two other, (laughs) two other guys here with a wealth of information for everyone to hear. So I'm not going to, get off on that 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 song is basically about my opinion that the united states senate has done nothing but harm to our country and that it, it allows for the for the minority to hold the majority hostage time and time again and and accounts for things like the filibuster and you know we probably wouldn't have citizens united were it not for the senate we wouldn't have had president george w bush or president donald trump if not for the u.s senate um, I just, I, yeah, like ba- the, the easiest explanation is it allows the minority to hold the majority hostage. And, and I don't particularly feel that's a, a really uh, sensible form of shaping policy. Okay. That's a, that's a, a, you summarize that well. So getting back to, you know, the, getting the early demos of these songs, sending them to Bill and to Andrew, when it finally came down to, okay, we're, we're going to do this. What was that first meeting like? What was that first day like with, with everybody in the room? Well, I think, go ahead. We tend to just, we tend to just start working. Um, The, the idea of some kind of a grand plan, a grand strategy, that that lives, I think, for me, that lives in some kind of fairy tale land. We just roll up our sleeves and we start working. And then Andrew's got an idea and then Russ has an idea. And then I got an idea. And then, then you know, we get Jonathan, we get Chris, we get Jason involved. And it's like we get some ears on this that have a lot of musical experience and things you know, things start happening. We didn't go into it with a, like a pre-calculated approach to it. It was, you know, you react, I feel like a good song, you know, you react to it and it, 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 you react to it and it, it makes you feel something and then you do something because of how it makes you feel. And that's how the recording goes. Andrew, uh, Andrew could probably speak way better to this than me, you know, cause he no, did more than Mary. Perfectly. You know, I, I think our ideas are like feedback too. Like when you're getting feedback out of a guitar, like it's something starts to happen based on that song. And then, you know, you take it, you have the spark of an idea and then, you know, uh, another one of us will feed off of that and evolve the idea. And then another person will hear that. And, and by the time you're at the fifth iteration of that idea, which is really fitting to the song, hopefully, like you wouldn't have gotten there. <clears throat> you know, there's no way to predict ahead of time you would have gotten there and i think a lot of the ideas and instrumentation on this record i think we did uh uh you know the lyrical content was um or the um, emotion of the song would drive uh what instrumentation was in the song you know what does this song need you know i I, we wouldn't want to you know one of the pitfalls maybe of making uh, some people will make an acoustic record and think you have to, you know, transpose everything and you know, elaborate, uh, you know, string arrangements on everything. You have to change, you know, put everything on different instruments. But with this record, I think we uh, uh, just asked each song, you know, presented what it needed. And, you know, well, what does, you know, uh, uh, next best thing need? And it was uh, like, like Bill said, it was very much uh, just getting to work and, and uh, it would, it develops quite naturally. You know, like a good example was, I don't remember which, what the song title is. Cause I, I know these songs by a whole different thing, like kind of more working titles or just so, yes. but, but um, the one where, you know, when I was hearing the lyrics and I said, well, what if I do like a little military drum here because of what, what the lyrics were saying. And then that's like an example where you're just like in the moment, you're like, Okay, well, what about a military drum, or what about a, a piano note here? Like that's kind of how how we work. We're we would be I would be lying to you if I said we had it all planned out and music scores and like yeah, you know we, we don't work like that. It's very very like roll up your sleeves and drink some coffee. 
Or in yeah. Next Best Thing, Russ wanted to add some, you know, some uh, thickening to the chorus. So uh, he actually went out into the control room with the amp right in front of him and sat right in front of it. Uh, and and that guitar, you know, we, you know, on our way to the chorus, the guitar was just squealing and, and feeding back. And, and it, it, it kind of like presented itself in a way that it just gave this big intensity and I think made what Russ was singing about in the chorus hit that all that much harder. I mean, it was a, it was a big like a, uh, I thought I was really happy with the way that and, and a lot of things like that turned out. And I think everything you're describing is is the big difference between uh, Russ between your your first solo record and this this next one. There were some there were some songs on your your debut solo album that did have added instruments and things like that. But with um, you know the the second one, uh, you know, come together, fall apart. There's there's a bunch of of ups and downs throughout the whole record and it it just blends everything so beautifully it's you can tell that everything's recorded off of feeling and not just oh we need to fill this space with something so we'll just throw something on there and that'll work it was just kind of like what bill said oh this needs the the uh this you know the marching snare drum sound and and things like that so what was what was um what what were some other like aha moments that you had while uh recording <laughs> recording these songs that um you hadn't like never would have thought of that part before um maybe you know something that andrew uh, brought to the table or, or something else that Bill brought to the table. What was one, Russ, what was one of your favorite like aha moments? I think for me, it was a lot, a lot more like, like Andrew engineered all, all the guitar and I, and I'd never played that much acoustic guitar in my life. And, and he had a lot of really good, just like stuff from his experience that, that I was like just ways of strumming through notes, especially like if there was going to be a note that we hit, that there was going to be a space after to like go a little slower across the strings, like a gliss almost like he had, he had lots of little like subtle nuanced things that were that like to me seemed genius, but to him just seemed like common sense for that part. Uh, because I, you know, he's been doing it a lot longer than me. So like, I really appreciated that, that part of it. Also his patience. Cause I'm, I'm like, I'm not the greatest guitar player. Blast. And, uh, and, and I, and I had to teach myself how to play like open chords on an acoustic because I'm not naturally like I'm a Johnny Ramone, write a good written song and then show Luke how to play it the right way. And then, <laughs> yeah. So like the fact that he was patient uh, and forgiving with my playing made, made things go really smooth for me. But a lot of the little things that he suggested, I would be like, oh man, that is awesome. Like that is, that, that makes such a huge difference. That sounds great. Like, and I, I'll keep those, you know, now I got those in my brain. So like those were those were really big for me, and then a lot of times too with like Bill, Bill's notes and Bill's feedback on the songs because like in the mac in the macro view we had two weeks to do like eight billion songs and and so that for sure we weren't going to be able to record all the songs I had demoed. So we were as we were working like Bill said we're like every day we're getting to it and making sure we're staying on schedule and like rolling up our sleeves. We're also all of us keeping our eyes and ears open for like which which songs are outliers that we need to like get rid of so we can like better use our time rather than like wasting time on these songs that probably shouldn't be there at the end. So we had a lot of work to do and not a lot of time to do it, but at the same time, nobody was willing to skimp on anything. So we had to really constantly be, be in our heads, like, okay, which songs are going to go, which songs are going to go and like getting down to like the, the, the core of like the material that we all felt, felt good about. Uh, so that was really valuable for me too. And like just things, Bill would say like, Hey, this, there's parts like after a chorus where I'm hanging out on a, on a note, like there's like a little bit where like, there's no singing or anything like make a make it, make a guitar lead happen there. Like something, uh, like little things like that, that I, I hadn't really thought of. And like looking, listening back now, it makes a huge difference. Like those little moments. You're working along all these demos trying to figure out which one's going to make the final cut. What, 
was one song was Russ were there any songs that you thought should definitely go and maybe Andrew and Bill argued that no this one should definitely stay or vice versa I mean, no, yeah the other the other thing happened and, and I remember it being so so typically like ever since I've known Bill because he's forgotten more about like music and good songwriting than I'll ever know like I would typically would defer always and my like in a good riddance like he's like the arbiter like at the end of the day like what bill says goes and we all trust him and and he he and i usually see see pretty much eye to eye on like what we consider like you know even though music's subjective it's like what's a good song like bill and i typically will see eye to eye and there was one song that i really was fond of that i'd written and it was on the it was on like the it was on the like it was on waivers like it was on the way out it was going to get axed and i was bummed and i was like well I want to, I want to trust the, I want to trust Bill and defer, but I really don't think that, the, I think that the song that, that he's pr- proposing we keep is not as strong as this song. Um, and that, that was like a, a new thing for me to like, do I, do I fight for this song? Because I really, you know, what if I don't know what I'm talking about, which is, you know, mostly the, most of the time that's the truth. And uh, that's you, you have to ask someone younger. Yeah, like you asked Andrew, or Andrew's not young enough, you ask Chris. Well, if Chris isn't young the- enough, you ask Jonathan. If Jonathan's not young enough, you ask one of the interns. You gotta, you gotta ask people that aren't fifty. You know, <laughs> that's where the process is good, also, because if you want a song enough to fight for it, that means a lot. That's true, Wait. but I wasn't sure if it was like it was a great song that was good enough to fight for, or if it was just like, I was fond of it because it was a new tack that I'd taken to songwriting that I'd never done before that I put into practice after watching Rhett Miller's uh, songwriting masterclass online. Yeah. But Andrew's points well taken. It's your record. So if it's important to you, that makes it important. It's that simple. There's yeah, there's so many, there's so many, uh, so many different points of view on that. Like, you know, when you when you write a song that you really love, it's obviously your baby. But you know, when it's hard to, it's a hard pill to swallow when a good friend or a renowned producer hears the song that you love so much, and they're like, "Yeah, I, I don't like it." You know, it's it's always a hard thing to to hear that. I'm I'm good at it now, though. Like I. I... I developed a pretty thick skin. Like I, I really, I want to just keep writing and and let people, let people like, like just, if, okay, well, if that, if you don't like that one, like I'll just keep writing more. And like, like I, especially, I mean, it kind of depends who's giving you that news. If like Bill or Andrew is giving me that news, like I'm going to be all ears. But like, you know, if somebody who, who is massively divergent from me musically and doesn't have any influence on the project uh, says that then i then i may not be as as considerate of it or i may not it may not weigh on me as much yeah but when these guys say something like i'm like wait a minute like these guys wouldn't pipe up if there wasn't something to this and like i'm asking them to help me and these guys both know way more about music than i do so it's <laughs> it's always a really considered considered thing uh, with this company and that's the reason that i want to record with them that's the reason why i love the blasting room and all these guys is like they they will make your material better in spite of you. Yeah, the bl- in spite of you, no, <laughs> with you, yeah, along with you. Despite my best efforts, the the album sounds good. The the blasting room is such a staple in punk rock, and uh, that's something I wanted to bring up real quick too. Is that there's uh, currently a Kickstarter for a documentary on Blasting Room, right? Didn't that just get launched in like the last week or so? I mean, so uh, yeah, some couple of our, our buddies are making a movie about the studio. I don't know what how the Kickstarter thing is. <laughs> I don't know much about that. No, I know. I just wanted to mention like that's how awesome the Blasting Room is. I mean, yeah, if- yeah. We're gonna have a we're gonna have a documentary, and it's well deserved, you know. And I cannot wait to uh, see that one when, when it's all out. And I know it's going to be taking some time still, but I wonder if Whack-A-Mole will make it in to the dock. 
I don't even remember Whack-a-Mole's name. Was it okay. was it um, Philippe? <laughs> Not to be confused with Felipe, but yeah. I think his name was Philippe. Remember we did that? Um, didn't we do a a blasting room shirt where we put like a letter to Philippe on the back or something? Yes. Yep. But we called him. Did we call him Dear Whack-a-Mole or Dear Philippe? Yeah. I don't remember. I remember that though. Was was he an intern of some sort or? I don't really know. Russ remembers. I, this is pre Andrew, and it's it's so long ago that I don't have a. You, you know, you can see my thing here. I had a a brain tumor. I can't remember it. Yes. Russ knows. So who was Whack a Mole? <laughs> he was an he was an intern. The first the first time the first time we recorded there. And he would—I don't know if he sleep, if he was a sleepwalker, but like we would sleep back then. There wasn't really a proper lounge, so we would sleep in like, like a you know a tape room or wherever there was like a place to put a sleeping bag. And what we would we we were woke and like whack a mole would be like kind of like cl- climbing and on your sleeping bag and like kind of touching your legs and feet and stuff. <laughs> and then, God. And then, and then he was also. Uh, caught you know red-handed so to speak a few times hence the nickname um that's all that's all we need to really know (laughs) oh man i really hope he makes it in the documentary if he doesn't make it then why are they no none of us know who he is or what happened to him the one who probably remembers him the best is uncle chucky but uh, uncle chucky's not here no oh man well That'll be that'll be <laughs> that'll be good. Um, so the the important takeaway is, um, you know, come together, fall apart um, is is coming out in January. Um, it's going to be coming out uh, via SBAM Records, Cursed Blessing Records and Satan Records. Um, I know Babel is the first single out now. Uh, everyone should give that a listen to. It's uh, it's based on Tower of Babel, right, Russ? Rough, roughly, yeah. Um, and what? Just kind of refresh my memory. What is the background of Tower of Babel? I, I don't really even know, dude. Like, <laughs> I, it, it's. I mean, it's supposed supposedly that's the, the beginning of the many. Like, the world had one language, and then, and then something happened in this place, and there was like dispute. And that's what splintered the languages into the, all the millions of languages that are out there now. But more like the, I basically was hitting, was banging on my guitar and I came up with that F and then I just hit the, the melody on my way to Babel melody came into my head and I decided I had to build a song around it. Like that's, that's how it works for me a lot of the time. I mean, Bill can probably elaborate too. Like sometimes you don't know why these things happen or you don't set out to write like, a song about a specific thing but the words yeah the a lot the words, of times the song kind of writes you yeah like the words the way the like six or seven words will fall in a certain melody in your head and you'll just know that you have to like make there be a song around that yeah i've i've experienced that sometimes too and you're like where the hell did this come from but it it just it just happens you know um it's not like you were a um obsessed with the tower of babel or anything it just it just kind of happened but it is a a a still a a fascinating tale though about tower of babel um so everyone needs to go uh listen to babel and then also uh, you know pre-order the record i believe pre-order is up for that yes yeah um and i'm i'm sure we can't stress enough the patient on the vinyl i'm sure that's going to take i know a lot of manufacturers are still um backed up as far as that goes so um lots of patience i can't, there. Even, get a, I can't even get a new i've been waiting a year for a new microwave i don't know how the hell they can have vinyl. <laughs> <laughs> you got a point I can't man. even get windows 95 to work <laughs> no it's true it's true <laughs> Uh, you know, funny story, the uh, radio station I work for, we still have computers that have XP on them, and that's no joke. 
<laughs> we still so. run floppy disks. Dude, yeah. you still got Maybe. floppies? Yeah, Man. our board's automation runs off floppy disks and they never crash. That's a beautiful thing. It really is. Um, so anything else, uh, Russ, Bill, or Andrew? This has been a lot of fun. I hope you've enjoyed it. I've really enjoyed hearing uh, the, the process. I feel like Andrew hasn't Andrew. gotten a chance to like say a lot. That's okay. I don't say much. <laughs> well, Andrew, like, I mean, what, what, what was your favorite part, you know, being behind the scenes and, and helping this album take shape? What are some, some stories or some moments that, that I mean, you remember? Yeah, part, I mean, well, the, the next best thing meant uh, that I mentioned was a, was a, a pretty special moment, I thought. And then, uh, Part of it's just trying not to get in the way of, of what Russ has to offer. You know, we're talking about adding instrumentation and 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 uh, and uh, all this, but uh, part of it is just to to capture what Russ has to offer. And when we are are all adding certain ideas or um, you know uh, instrumentation that we think uh, you know enhances uh, what Russ is speaking about. Uh, or when we're stripping it down, like in certain songs, um, maybe like last conversation, um, it is to not get in the way of, uh, what, you know, Russ is, uh, playing or singing about or, or bringing to the table. Like he, Andrew, Andrew saved the day. Like I did a cover of a cover of the hockey song by stomping Tom Connors for the curse blessings EP. It was actually going to be a separate release by curse blessings, but. And it's got this crazy like intro that I couldn't figure out on the guitar. And like Andrew learned it like in, in like a second and like showed me how to play it. That was fun. And so like just things like that, like where I would, I would have struggled and like stayed up all night trying to learn this, this thing. And like, Andrew's like, Oh yeah, cool. It just goes like this. Like that, <laughs> that helped. I mean, it expedited things, made things easier. And it was like such a relief to have somebody that like had their head together around that kind of stuff that was like on, on site, like doing the, doing the project. Andrew, what are some of the, the techniques or, or takeaways from, from this record that you're like excited to try on the next project you do? Uh, we did some blending of where we were like, we would take the acoustic guitar, run it through, uh, a small amp, you know, in the room, and actually kind of to taste, depending on the song, uh, uh, we would, uh, you know, maybe with some distortion, maybe just with clean verb, blend that into the actual live performance of the acoustic. And that was kind of something I hadn't done that much, which I, I was pretty excited about how that turned out. Kind of, you couldn't tell, like it, it was adding something to the acoustic. It wasn't as plain as uh, just an acoustic, but it wasn't, you know, adding electrics onto it either. So is so that was like that's like reamping, right? Is that the? Oh, it was while term? Russ was performing. So oh, it was while he was performing. Acoustic, which is going into an amp off in the room, okay. and and then I would go in and adjust the volume or characteristics of that amp, and it would be picked up in the room mics, in the guitar mics. Uh, some songs didn't have it. Some songs did. That was that was fun. That was a fun technique. And so, Russ, did you perform? Did you sing and play guitar throughout this whole thing? Did you record that at once? Was it no. live like that? Or what, no, it was, I did all the guitar. I would do guitar during the day, and then Bill would show up, and and then Bill would we, Bill and I would do vote work on vocals in the okay. evenings. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I did like render some. Like I would that. I would render some scratch. I would render some scratch like vocals. Like sometimes I'd be playing the song, and like and Andrew would ask to me to run through. Like not while I was playing, but while I was sitting out there, like to just do a quick scratch vocal, probably you know for for reference and stuff like that. Yeah. Sorry, Bill. What were you saying? Oh no, I was just saying I like to I like to do the vocals in not really like long sessions. I like to just do a few hours each day because I feel like that keeps the energy up. So a lot of times it's good for me. Like say we're working eight or ten hours, you know, to do do six or seven hours of guitar or bass or drums or whatever it is, and then do three, four hours of vocals each day rather than having to do vocals for six or eight or 10 hours a day each day. I don't think those vocals never come out as good. 
No, it's like the, the like that first, uh, you know, two or three hours or whatever are, are good. And then like the rest of the day. And then the, Plus the older, the older we all get. I mean, I'm only good for three hours anyways. <laughs> and then the, the skiba clock, the skiba clock works against you. The skiba clock. Yeah. What? So explain the skiba clock. Like if like if you can't get a vocal done in 15 minutes, you're fired. <laughs> is that how that works <laughs> so i'm fired every day every vocal every yeah <laughs> nice uh, that that's a new one i actually haven't heard that one we just we made it up <laughs> nice oh i remember that russ yeah yeah, yeah. i do remember that yeah another uh one of the the many inside jokes i'm sure well i had forgotten about it I'm like, you know, Finding so, Nemo, I'm like Dory. You're like Dory? Dude, that's one of my son's favorite movies. So, yeah, I'm well He's aware. He's trying to find his son, Fabio. Um, so, anything else that you guys want to add on about I'm out. the new record? I'm out. You're out? <laughs> see he's had his three hours he's done he's done all that all he can for the company today <laughs> well um this this has been a pleasure this has been a blast i can't thank you guys enough for your time and i'm really excited for the world uh to hear <laughs> come together fall apart because i think it's i think people are going to be pleasantly surprised on on what they hear hopefully people like it but I mean, if, if any any good stuff about this album is is because of these two guys in the blasting room for sure. Round another uh, another round of applause for for Bill and Andrew for sure. <laughs> and Jason and Chris, yes, and Jonathan, everyone at the blasting room. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. You you guys have a good night. Okay. Thank you so you. much, man. Thank, Thank you, you very much. Yeah. Bye, Andrew. Bye, Bill. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's one more time give another round of applause to Russ Rankin, Bill Stevenson, and Andrew Berlin uh, for coming on and talking about Russ's brand new solo album, Come Together, Fall Apart. Once again, if you missed it, comes out January 22nd, 2022 uh, via SBAM Records in Europe, Cursed Blessing Records in Canada, and then Satan Records here in the U.S., um, and uh, you can pre-order that record right now. Uh, the first single, Babel, is out now on all streaming platforms if you just want to get a taste for what the record is going to be like. And as I said just a minute ago, I know you're going to be pleasantly surprised. Um, it's completely different from Russ's first solo album, uh, Farewell uh, Catalonia. Um, and I, I know... Uh, you're going to love it. So make sure you do that. And uh, also, while you're uh, at it, please uh, show our sponsors some love and support Pop Punk Takeout. Uh, it's a monthly subscription box that delivers merchandise from pop punk artists from all over the world directly to your door in a takeout box. And you can choose the bigger version, which is a pizza box, or a smaller version, which is uh, more economical if you're on a tighter budget. It's a Chinese food takeout box and they fill both of those boxes with all kinds of goodies from well-known artists like MXPX, Krista Makes of Less Than Jake, Keep Flying, along with other artists you may not know, but you would absolutely love their music because it's along the vein of pop punk bands you already love and listen to. So pre-order your box right now. Subscribe now. Uh, to uh, Pop Punk Takeout by going to poppunktakeout.com, uh, you know, signing up for your subscription there and also just staying up to date on everything. Uh, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Pop Punk Takeout. And while you're at it, uh, follow Pop Punk and Pizza, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and TikTok at Pop Punk Pizza Pod. You can catch up on previous episodes by merch so much more at poppunkpizzapod.com. Please drop us a positive rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It really does go a long way. And also, we have a Facebook group that you and I and everyone else that listens to Pop Punk and Pizza can interact with. So if you just search 
excuse me, I had a burp. <laughs> if you just search uh, Pop Punk and Pizza uh, podcast on Facebook, uh, the Facebook group will come up as well as our actual Facebook page. But be sure to uh, join in the Facebook group. It's uh, always a lot of fun to interact ever- with everyone there. And uh, special thanks to Melanie KPR for having this, uh, putting together this special bonus episode of Pop Punk and Pizza. Thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for uh, listening to Pop Punk and Pizza podcast. Until next time. Hey, hello, it's nice to meet you. Hey, come in and have a slice of pizza. Hey, hello, it's nice to meet you. Hey, come in and have a slice of pizza. You're listening to Pop Punk and Pizza with Jacques Lamore.